So what's up, everybody? My name is Mutef. This is your first time here. I'm one of the servants here at Relevant Church. Just want to say welcome home to you. Um, at Relevant Church, we want to do one thing and one, do one thing well. And we want to proclaim that Jesus Christ is relevant, relevant in all spheres of life, relevant to me personally and relevant around the circle of influence that I have, relevant in my job and relevant everywhere. And um, we want to do that by creating a community of faith that's passionate about following Jesus, loving across boundaries and truly making a tangible difference in our community, region and world. We don't want to just be here to just do church. We really want to make an impact on our community, uh, let people know that Jesus is relevant, and really see lives transformed. So uh, if you came in this morning, we're going to dive right into our Bible. So I want you to grab your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. Keontae is going to get one to you, uh, our house crew. And if you don't have a Bible, that is your Bible from now on. Go ahead and take it home and uh, hold on to it. Put your name in it. Uh, we really believe in people taking time to read God's Word. Um, it provides teaching. It provides encouragement. Uh, and so that's why we teach verse by verse, line by line here at Relevant Church. So as you're going to Psalm chapter 1, it's page. If you've got one of the Bibles that Keontae just uh, passed out, shout out the page number. 286. Chief, you're looking on this PowerPoint, aren't you? Awesome. You just got in your head. He's like, I, I know the Bible like that. Every Bible is page 286. Everyone. So let me ask you a question. We got any music enthusiasts in here? Anybody who likes music? Like big time music people? Today we're going to start a brand new series. It is called Summer Playlist, and it's all about music because uh, music is powerful, isn't it? Music is it's like real. I, I know for me in my life, music has played such a major role because I count my years or I remember certain times of my life through music. Like, I remember back in the late 80s when the song by um, uh, Whitney Houston came out. This song came out, and it was playing in the fair, and, and my, uh, my cousin took me to the fair, and I remember walking through the fair with it, and it was just really, like, just a, such a great experience. And then I remember in 1996 when my parents uh, took us on a summer vacation and my brother had lent me his reggae album. And there was this album, it was called Morgan Heritage, and this thing was awesome. And I remember bumping this like all summer. It just brings back good memories driving through the Pennsylvania mountains and like, yeah, it's taking me back to that spot. If you play one of the songs from that, I, I immediately go back to the spot. And I remember uh, a song by Mariah Carey came out and I was trying to get with this girl. And all summer, like I was, that was like the soundtrack of me trying to court this girl. And uh, eventually we were able to get together, so that was awesome. And it brings back good memories, but she's long gone now. I've got even a better girl, my wife. <laughs> Woo, yeah, who I'm married to. But does anybody do that? Does, does anybody remember times and seasons of your life through music, through what song was playing? Uh, uh, stories come out of song. Songs evoke emotions, and we remember the good times, and we remember the tough times and the challenges uh, through the songs we listen to. Everybody has some sort of playlist, so I wanted to take a moment this morning and just go through a couple of songs. Let's see, let's see where you guys are at, if you guys know any of these songs. So I'm going to start a song, and I want to see if you guys can finish it. We're going to take it way back. We're going to go through the years here. Everybody should know this song. 
Take me out to the ball game. All right, so you guys know that song. That, that's a familiar one. Oh, boo. Look at this. We're starting drama in here already. They're over here. They're like, I don't even know what that is. Like, that's way before my era. All right, so how about let, let's go to the 80s real quick. Let's see if you guys know this one. Billie Jean is not my love. Okay, you guys know your Michael Jackson. Awesome. Somebody hit that note. Was that you, Derek? That was him. That was him. All right. Awesome. All right. Let's take it to the 90s right now. Who remembers this one? What do they say? I don't even know what they say. I was looking at the lyrics and trying to figure it out. Like, I can't even say it. I never knew what it was. Okay. All right. So here go. Um, here go one for the hip-hop head. So I am, I am a child of hip-hop and rap. So let's see if you guys remember this one. Ain't nothing but a G thing, baby. No, you guys don't know that song? Or everybody who knows that song knows some of the words that come after that, and they're just like, I'm, I'm not going there. You're not going to trick me into that one. All right, here, go, here goes one. Here goes, let's go one more. I get knocked down. All right, you guys know that song. That is awesome. Oh, my gosh. So we know these songs. These songs remind us of certain periods and eras in our lives. And people in the Bible, they, they had songs too. See, they had these songs called Psalms. And the whole entire book of Psalms is 150 uh, songs, 150 poems that were uh, sung during times of worship. They were t- sung during times of uh, corporate celebration and also uh, personal tragedy. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be diving into these psalms, taking some select songs and seeing what God uh, teaches us through it what he challenges us through it, and hopefully what he grows us with us through these songs. So as part of the series, I asked everybody to send me what they're listening to. What is on your summer playlist? What are you listening to? What's, what's giving you life? What's making you joyful? What's, what's exciting you? What's that song that you're going to that is on repeat? So the featured song today was from an artist called Brett Denon, and I, I had a video that could play. Will it play? Can we hear it a little bit? Is it plugged in? Let's listen to the words of the song real quick. Too bad you can't see the video because he had some moves in there, man. I'm telling you. And he's like, he's super tall. This dude's got. Don't worry about it if we don't if we don't have it. Well, this song it goes something like this, and I'm gonna. Uh, kind of sing it for you guys. It goes, blessed is this life. I want to celebrate being alive. And he's singing this song, and it's like talking about this life. He says, look, I welcome the sunshine. I welcome the rain. I welcome whatever happens around me, because at the end of the day, blessed is this life. I'm living this blessed life. And, you know, over the last few uh, days, we've seen some really crazy things happen over the media and uh, all over the country. And we're sitting there wondering, like, man, is this really life blessed? There's a lot of people out there who aren't feeling very blessed right now. Would it be insensitive to go around for us singing, blessed is this life? 
But the blessed life has something to do with the climate that we're in. It really does. Listen, this is what the blessed life has to do with what's going on. It all depends on what song you're singing. It all depends on what song and whose song you're singing. So let's pray real quick, uh, and then we'll dive into the text and see what God has to teach us through this. God, thank you so much for bringing us here this morning. Lord, I pray that you will speak to us through your word. Just help us hear from you. Open up our hearts. Open up our minds to just uh, have a clear picture of what you're teaching us this morning. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. So in the book of Psalms, this first Psalm, Psalm number one, we don't know who wrote it. The book of Psalms is a collection of different writers. Uh, King David, one of the uh, kings of Israel, wrote a bunch of probably the majority of the Psalms. Moses wrote a Psalm. And if you remember Moses in the Bible, in Bible history, he was the one who led the children of Israel out of Egyptian captivity. So he wrote a psalm in this. Multiple other authors who've written as part of the psalms. But this first psalm, we don't know who wrote it. And this psalm speaks about two ways of life. This individual who wrote this psalm wanted to get this point across. There's only two ways to live in this life. You can either live the blessed life or the wicked life. You know, oftentimes in our lives, we want to toe this line. We don't want to really go all the way over to the the good side because we don't want to be out of touch with what's going on. We want to just kind of play this field and say, hey, you know, God is going to accept me anyway. God knows my struggles. God knows my challenges. So I'm I'm still growing. And so we don't go all the way to the other side, but we don't also want to go all the way to to the wicked side because we're just like, no, I'm not about that life. So we try to tiptoe in between, and this psalm is telling us, it's like, hey, look, there is no in-between. There is no gray area. You're either living the blessed life or you're living the wicked life. And he says also this. He says the, the way to true life is this blessed, godly life, and to ignore this life is to foolishly accept death. It's like saying, hey, you know what? I'll sign my death warrant. I'll just go ahead and give myself over to death and, and eternal punishment because you know what? The, the blessed life, it just, it's too challenging. It's, it's too demanding. So what he does, he contrasts three different lives of how the blessed and the wicked live. So verse 1 through 2, he contrasts the values that the blessed people have and the wicked people have. Verse 3 through 4 contrasts the fruitfulness. What comes out of these individuals' lives? What, what do they produce? What does their life produce? And then verse 5 through 6, he contrasts the outcomes to the lives. What ends up happening? What is the result, the ultimate result of living this life? And so we're going to dive right in. Point number one, the blessed life is a life of healthy relationships. The blessed life is a life of healthy relationships. Read with me uh, Psalm chapter 1, starting there just with verse 1. He says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Blessed is this man. And when it says man, it's, it's speaking about a, a, 
a godly individual. It's not talking about a, a male or female. I know in the last series we were talking about the differences between male and female. In this one, he's just generalizing and saying, hey, look, a godly individual lives this blessed life. And this word for blessed means they're happy. They're joyful, not about having material possessions or having uh, uh, the best health in the world. It's simply saying this individual is content, is joyful. There's something inside of them that just keeps them always on a good path, in a good mood, with a lot of joy and a lot of peace around them. And then it talks about here, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor sits in the seat of nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. It's talking about people who live generally lives outside of God's standard. These are individuals who don't want to follow what the word says. They read the Bible or they've heard the Bible or you give them advice. You know, one of those individuals that you try to provide advice and they tell you, hey, you know what? I want to make my own mistakes. Anybody got one of those friends? Anybody admit that they actually said that one time in their life? I know I did. I want to make my own decisions. I want to make my own mistakes. And it's funny how this is progressive here. He goes, walks, and then stands, and then sits. It's interesting. Uh, Have you ever been out shopping for a car? So when you're walking through the car lot, it's one thing, right? You're you're, You're walking. You're looking at everything around you. The car salesman comes out and they're walking with you and you're just kind of perusing and checking out all the cars. You're not buying anything. There's no commitment. And that's what he's saying here. It's like individuals that walk in the counsel of the wicked. Like you just, you kind of hang out with these people. You don't do what they do. You just kind of observe. You're just there. I'm just a fly on the wall. I just got these friends, you know, I just love hanging out with them. These are my friends all the way from college, man. We've kind of walked, we've done life together. And so you're not really getting involved in what they're doing. You're just walking. You're just looking at the cars. And then what happens when you're buying this car? The salesman, you know, kind of pauses and you guys get to this one car and you look at it kind of nice. You're like, man, this this car is kind of nice. And so he stands and he just pulls out this paperwork. It's like, oh, man, well, this car is this. And he starts telling you all about it. And he grabs the key, like, hold on, let me grab the key. Let me open it for you so you can see the inside of the car. And now you're seeing it, he turns it on. You're standing in that moment. You're allowing yourself to soak up everything that he's saying, and something inside of you is beginning to change. Like, man, I really like this car. And that's what he's saying here, uh, the individual who stands in the way of sinners. Now you're okay with it. You're just like, you know what, just kind of, there. You've gotten comfortable. This life makes sense. You're like, you know, I don't, I don't, I, I'm not uncomfortable with this. This is good. And then like every good car salesman, what's the next thing he's going to say? Come to my office. Come sit down for a second. Let's just, let's just see what your credit is like. Let's just see what I can do for you. And before you know it, you, you got there not wanting to buy a car. I remember uh, a few years back, I went to the car dealership. My mom just called me one day out of the blue, and she was like, hey, you know what? Hey, come with me. I need to run to the car dealership, and I need to go uh, uh, look at some cars. And I, I know you guys were look in the market for a car. Maybe you should go with me. So I go with them, and we go through this process. We're walking around. I, I didn't come to buy a car. I'm here walking. I'm looking. And the cars are really nice. 
And then he invites me to sit down in this black truck with chrome rims. And this thing is sweet leather interior. It's got the sports package. And so I'm looking at it. And then he says, you know, just come to my office. Let's just see what we can do. I'm like, hey, you know, I'm not here to buy a car. He's like, look, just five minutes. Just come down and sit with me. And before I knew it, that dude had duped me into buying a car. I left with a car that day. And these individuals, they go from walking with the wicked to standing with the sinners. And then they sit, they get to the place where now it's okay. I am there. This is my life. I sit with the seat of the scoffers. And these scoffers, it's, it's interesting what this word means, scoffers. It talks about an arrogant fool who will refuse discipline. These are individuals who are settled in with their life. They don't want to change. They, they know what they're doing is wrong. I remember uh, times of my life when I was so steeped in sin, when people try to call me out of it, I would say, I know what I'm doing. I'm good. And that's what these scoffers are, these individuals who just are okay with everything that's not right. They revel in it. They're, they're at peace with it. And Proverbs fifteen twelve tells us about a scoffer. It says, a scoffer does not like to be reproved. That means that person doesn't like to be told what they're doing is wrong. It says he will not go to the wise. He just refuses to change his lifestyle or her lifestyle. Proverbs 21, 24 says, a scoffer is the name of the arrogant. A haughty man, somebody who's puffed up, who acts with arrogant pride. See, the blessed life is a life of healthy relationships because the blessed life is aware and avoids being in community with people like this. Let me ask you a question. Who do you surround yourself with? And in this day and age, the people who you surround yourself with aren't just individuals who you hang out with on a daily basis. These are not just the individuals who you go to lunch with. Uh, Your community can be virtual. Who are you listening to? Who are you watching? Who are you allowing to influence your life? Point number two. The blessed life is a life that is rooted and grounded in God's word. So this individual, it tells us in verse 2 of Psalms, it says, this individual, this, this blessed man who doesn't walk with the wicked, who doesn't stand in the way of sinners, who doesn't sit in the seat of scoffers, it says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And specifically what this is saying, this law of the Lord, the person who wrote this was writing it specifically about the first five books, the Pentateuch. That's what it was called, the first five books of the Hebrew Bible. But as Christians now, as we looking at the full word of God, we see that we go beyond just this simple reading of just the first five books of the Bible because God has revealed his word in 66 books. It's talking about uh, an individual who is passionate about the whole entire canon of scripture. From Genesis to Revelation, his delight is in that. Biblical principles bring joy to their life. They love reading the Bible. I remember when I first became a Christian. 
And I first discovered the Bible. And the way I became a Christian, one of the ways that I was impacted significantly is I picked up the Bible one day. And I don't know if I was sick or something was going on, but I was just like, hey, you know what? I'm bored. I want to grab a Bible. I need something to read. All right, let me gra- grab the Bible. I haven't really read that a whole lot. And I read this chapter, and I couldn't stop reading it. And I kept on reading through to the end of this book that I just read. I read the book of Matthew, and I was broken by it. I was just like, wow, this is incredible. And soon enough, as I was growing in my faith, I started looking at other books like Ephesians and Philippians, and I was just like, man, there is so much to this word. There's so much instruction. If I can just model my life after this. This individual is saying, man, I I love the law of the Lord. I love God's word. He delights in it. He meditates day and night, meaning God's word is his priority. I remember my dad, I I posted this on Facebook, and I think I said this in a message uh, a week or two ago. My dad has always told me this when I tell my dad, man, I don't have time to do this. That I just, I don't have time for this. He always used to say, son, we make time for things that are priority. This individual's meditating on the word day and night. And this word meditate, it means like he's, he's mumbling it. He's rehearsing it. As he's going throughout the day, the words are on his mouth. He's trying to figure out what does this all mean? What is this saying to me? How can my life be transformed by this? And I like this quote. It says, uh, biblical meditation, meaning meditation on the Bible, uh, of rehearsing the Bible, getting it inside of you, is to focus on and put your mind into Scripture. And I love how he uses that word. He doesn't say on Scripture. He says into Scripture. You know, um, Anybody who's ever learned how to swim, it realizes that you can't learn how to swim by sitting on the edge of the pool and sticking your feet in the water. You just kind of sit there like, man, I'm going to learn how to swim. Woo! This feels great. You got to dive in. And that's what this individual is doing. He's dove into the Bible. He's reading the Bible day and night. He's like, man, what does this thing have to say about my life? How can I make this transformative? How can I make this apply to my life? He sees his entire life through the lens of Scripture. Every challenge that they face, every uh, situation that arises, everything that's on TV, that's seen on CNN and on Fox and on Facebook, live video, everything is seen through the lens of Scripture. Like, how am I supposed to approach this? Am I going to be shaken up by what's going on, or am I going to see what's really happening right here? Psalm 19, verse 7 through 8, says this, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Are your thoughts and opinions informed by Scripture and not by the current of public opinion? How are you formulating the conclusions that you're coming up to? With the things that you're seeing, with the things that you're hearing, with the conversations that you're having, are you filtering it through the lens of the gospel about what's at play? 
And as we see all the craziness that's happening around and the country is divided right now, this side is against this side and this side is trying to shut down this side and everything that's going on. Are we remembering that really what's at play is not me against you, but there's a bigger battle that's beyond us? Remember that from last week? This battle that we're facing is beyond any of us. Are we reminding ourselves that at the end of the day, God has the victory? Point number three. The blessed life is a life that multiplies good fruit. The blessed life is a life that multiplies good fruit. Verse number three says this, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. It says he's like a tree planted by streams of water and oftentimes the Bible uses water as a refreshing. It's a cleansing agent. It washes away impurity. This is what is happening here. This person is saying like, hey, look at this individual that's planted by water. And this water is a stream. It's just not a stagnant pond. It's constantly moving. This individual is stable. And is being nourished by the fresh water of the word. God's word is constantly washing over him that allows him to remain stable, remain planted. And if we really think about life, life is dynamic, right? There's different seasons in life. Are you grounded in the word? And are you able to stand when life pulls you this way and that way? We're going to talk a little bit about stability in a moment. But this individual, he, he, he's, he's planted, he's rooted. And as you know, with a lot of trees, the roots go far deeper than what you see on top. Look at this. It says that he's, a, he's like a tree that yields its fruit in its season. Fruit is not the tree. It's not for the tree, is it? When we go and see apple trees and when we see orange trees, and, and you look at them, the, the tree doesn't produce fruit for itself. It's for the nourishment of others. This individual bears fruit not for themselves, but for the kingdom of God. They bear fruit. They realize that what comes out of me is not for me, it's for others. How can I influence what's happening around me? How can I build God's kingdom with the fruit that I'm bearing? And let me ask you this. How is your fruit benefiting God's kingdom? How's what's coming out of your life? beneficial to God's mission. John 15, 16, Jesus says this. This is Jesus' words to his disciples, to his followers, to you and I. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain. We're supposed to be bearing fruit. What type of fruit are we bearing? Is it good fruit? The people that we're influencing, the the individuals that we're having conversations with, the people who we've got influence over. 
Are we calling them to be kingdom-minded? And I like this where it says, it says, uh, and its leaf does not wither. The leaves there, because it's being nourished, because he's being nourished by the word, because this individual is stable, he's healthy, and his leaves are healthy. They're not brittle. And we've got to ask ourselves, when the challenges of life comes, when we are thrown this way and that way, when the winds of life comes, are those things or those people that are attached to us better or are they worse? Are they healthy or are they falling apart because we just can't get it together? He says, the leaf does not wither. And as bad as the climate is right now, those people who are attached to you, your spouse, your children, your responsibilities, are they all remaining healthy and steady? And I had to check myself. This message was for me today. This specific portion really spoke to me because I've had a really challenging week. And honestly, I've had a real challenging month, and I found myself being a little bit more cynical. I found myself being a little bit more frustrated and taking out my frustration on my family and my kids and my wife and then having to go apologize because I'm realizing, man, I haven't been healthy. I had to check myself. When, when, when life seasons come, are you protecting those around you from withering when you're struggling? Are you standing firm? Point number four. The blessed life is a life that remains stable in an unstable environment. The blessed life is a life that remains stable in an unstable environment. So it says in verse 4, we're going to read verse 4 all the way through 6. And we're going to talk about it just a few more moments. It says, the wicked are not so. These, the wicked are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. But for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. It says the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. You know what chaff is? So when they're harvesting grains, they'll take like wheat stalks or whatever, and they will beat all the seeds out of it, like this is how they did it in ancient times. They would bring all the harvest together, and individuals would take these on the threshing floor and beat these stalks to separate the seeds from the wheat stalks. And then they would pick up the, the, the wheat and in, in the seeds and everything with it, everything that's broken apart in a bowl, and they'll, they'll stand in this, this, this big, by this big cauldron, not like witch cauldron, you get it, just like like a big pot. And they'll be standing outside and they will begin to pour. And the seeds will fall, but the chaff will just get blown away by the wind. It's useless. Chaff is useless. It's the shell that covers grain. And in reality, uh, chaff is indigestible for humans. It's no good. It doesn't do anything for us. 
And so it's just carried away by the wind. And it says the wicked are carried away by the wind, by every thought, by every opinion, by every, everything. How about you? How steady are you? And again, I, I hate to come back to it, but in the reality, this is what's going on in the world right now. There's a lot of opinions. There's a lot of thoughts. There's a lot of, everybody seems to be an expert on everything. Are you being carried away or are you stable like the tree? Are you flipping from channel to channel? Are you going through your Facebook timeline and everything that you're reading, is it influencing you? Is it throwing you off? Or are you remaining steady? And even in your faith, everything that somebody comes and tells you, all of a sudden you're, you're following that. Are you remaining in the word? Do you know the word for yourself so that no one will deceive you? See, the tree is like a thermostat, and I think I gave this example in the last message. There's a difference between a thermostat and a thermometer. A thermometer tells you what the temperature is. The thermostat sets the temperature. See, this tree, this individual who remains steady, this individual is the thermostat. No matter what's going on around them, no matter what opinions are out there, they're remaining steady. I, I got Derek is one of the most steady people I know. Things can come, Adam, and Derek kind of just remains level. Doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low. Or maybe his wife sees something different. But from what I see, he doesn't, he doesn't do that. But thermometer, those individuals that are just like, they're all over the spectrum. They're like the chaff just getting blown away all over the place. Verse 5 through 6. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous will not stand in judgment. They'll, this is talking about the final end. Now this is the last portion. I said it's broken up in three sections. This is the outcome of the wicked life compared to the blessed life. See, the wicked life, they won't be able to stand in final judgment because the fruit that they were producing was not good fruit. Or maybe they didn't even produce any fruit at all. Maybe in their Christian life, no one was influenced for good. No one's life was changed by you being there. says uh, they will not stand in judgment. They'll have no defense. There'll be nobody to provide a defense from them. These who chose to live outside of God's law, who chose to scoff at it, who arrogantly said, you know what? I, I don't want any part in that. Or the individual who says, hey, you know what? I, I don't want to be too much on this side because I don't want to be weird. I don't want to be one of those extreme Christians. The congregation of the righteous, they won't be counted with the congregation of the righteous. What is the congregation of the righteous? Those who've accepted Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, who've submitted their lives to him, who have a desire to know God's word and live their lives through it, through the lens of it. These are the individuals who it says in verse 6, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Knows the way. This is a deeper understanding than just knowing your name, knowing what you do, knowing where you're from. 
Charity is from Warsaw. She's married to John. She was in the U.S. Army. That's not what this, this is not the knowing that it's talking about. It's talking about a deep knowledge, internally an intimate way of knowing somebody that they're influenced by this. God is leading these individuals' lives. God is leading the way of the righteous. He establishes them. No matter what circumstances in their lives, they can remain steady because they know God is ultimately in control. And I got to ask you, are you confident that God is leading every area of your life? Are you confident that you are fully submitted to the Lord and he knows you? See, there are two songs in this life. The song of the blessed and the song of the wicked. Whose song are you singing? Whose song are you singing? See, in this current climate that we've got going on right now, the song of the blessed is a song of peace, of unity, of justice and reconciliation. See, the song of the wicked is a song of insensitivity, ridicule, condescending, and ignorance. The song of the blessed is a song that stands in the gap and builds bridges. The song of the wicked is a song that divides and builds walls of hostility. Whose song are you singing? Now, I've got good news and I've got bad news. We'll start with the bad news. None of us can truly live out this blessed life. None of us can fully live out this blessed life, a life that is only about healthy, that only has healthy relationships. The life that remains steady when the surrounding is unstable. But the good news is that Jesus Christ has perfectly lived it for you and for me. Jesus is the model of the blessed life. He was perfectly in the world and not tainted by it. He knew God's word and lived it with no question. He was the one who was stable during life's most unstable challenges, even the challenges that took him to the cross and took his very life. He remained steady. And he stands in the congregation of the righteous. And he's calling all of us to lay down our lives and receive the blessed life that he imputes on us, that he covers us with when we accept him as not only our savior, but as Lord of our lives. He leads our thought processes. He leads our opinions. He leads our decisions. So as we look at what's going on all around us, whose song are you singing? Let's pray. Gracious God, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who came and gave his life for us. And not only that, but called us to the perfect life that he lived and enables us to do that in him. Lord, I pray that you will just conform our lives to his image, Lord. God, I pray that we may remain steady because the times right now are really unstable. There's a lot of mess going on around. There's a lot of opinions. There's a lot of heartache. There's a lot of frustration. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of fear. 
But God, may we be confident that in Jesus Christ lies our victory. Our victory to overcome hate, our victory to overcome division, Lord, that as brothers and sisters in Christ, that we can be steady. Knowing that we've overcome through Jesus Christ. So God, I just pray for my brothers and sisters here, God. And even my brothers and sisters across the nation, Lord. As we're faced with such really uncertainty for the future. Because we can't see things getting better. And we know in God's word that things aren't going to get any better. We know, Lord, and have the peace that the victory has already been won. That this life is for us to live, but it's not about us. God, may we bear fruit. And may we keep those around us, those who read our Facebook posts, those who are in our household, may we keep them healthy and strong like the tree whose leaves don't wither because of the influence that we have, because we've been washed by water with your word and are nourished by it day and night. Thank you, Lord, for answering our prayer this morning. God, if there's somebody here who's not given their life over to the blessed life, who's not given their life over to you, God, I pray that they will do so this morning. Break their heart for what breaks your heart. And may they walk in newness of life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.